we're looking at the book of Mark, chapter number 2. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. It's one that I've used several times here. I love it. It's one of my favorite passages. Why? Because it is just chock full of sermon material. And so pastors love those kinds of passages. But I, I felt that this passage contained what I needed to share uh, today. So let's look at Mark chapter number two, began reading with verse one. The Bible says, and again, he, speaking of Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he, Jesus, was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, no, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit, that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Father, I thank you one more time for your infallible, your life-altering, life-changing, miracle-working word. God, I pray today your word will go forth under powerful anointing today. God, may it be what is needed in this service today. Father, give us ears to hear the word of the Lord this morning and help us to receive it and put it into practice, Father. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Well, it has been my practice for several years now to get alone with God sometime during the year and ask God for a word for the coming year. And the word that the Lord gives me helps give clarity and direction for what God wants to do through us, in us, and for us. I announced last Sunday that the word that God gave me for the year 2019 is the word increase. Say increase. Now, there are three areas in which I want to see us increase in this year. And the first is in the area of efficiency. Efficiency. We need to become more efficient. By the way, if you were not here last Sunday, I challenge you to go to our website and listen to that teaching. Well, today we're going to talk about increasing in the area of effectiveness. Say effectiveness. Say it again. Yeah, I believe that God wants us to become more effective. Now, in the scripture that we just read, there are five things that I see here uh, that these four men did that made these four men in this story effective. The first thing I want to point out is, and that is right dissatisfaction. Yeah, right dissatisfaction. You know, when you think of being dissatisfied, you usually think of it as in a negative uh, way or a negative 
term. You tend to think of an ungrateful person who isn't satisfied with anything and nothing is ever good enough for them and nobody can please them. And this, of course, is not good. And obviously, this is not what I'm talking about. See, there is a right dissatisfaction. Sometimes it is correct. It is right for us to be dissatisfied. There are times when it's right. Uh, Times like uh, injustice. Uh, Times like mistreatment of people. Times like undue poverty. And the list goes on. I believe that we need to develop a holy dissatisfaction. And here's why. Here's why. Because dissatisfaction is a great motivator. Dissatisfaction is a great motivator. You see, until we become dissatisfied with where we are, we are never going to move forward. Until we become dissatisfied with our present situation, it will never change. Somebody said we will never change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Someone in this group of four men became satisfied with the condition of their friend. Uh, he was paralyzed, and because of his paralysis, there was, there was a limitation as to what he could do. I'm sure there were times when the other four wanted to include him in things, but they could not include him because he could not participate because of his disability. And somebody in this group became dissatisfied with the condition of their friend. And this holy dissatisfaction motivated this person to round up three more men to help him change the condition of this man. Somebody here this morning needs to get some holy dissatisfaction about their condition or the condition of their family or the condition of their business or the condition of their ministry. And here's why. Here's why. Because forward motion is stalled when we become satisfied. Forward motion is stalled when we become satisfied. Now, now I want to stop for just a moment and make a disclaimer. It's okay to be satisfied. It's okay to be satisfied. Contentment is a good thing. In fact, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. So it's okay to be satisfied, but only after. Say after. Only after we have done everything that we possibly can. Only after we do our due diligence. Only after we do our best and then we trust God for all the rest. But the problem is very few people actually do their best. That's sad to say, but it is true. Very few people actually uh, give 100%. Very few people actually give their very best. In fact, most people, most people just do enough to get by. Uh, most people are like the man that was applying for, for a job, and, and, and the employer said to him, well, sir, I'm, I'm really sorry, but, but we really don't have enough work to keep another employee busy. And the man said, well, you'd be surprised how little that would take. If we're going to increase effectiveness, it will start with right dissatisfaction. Listen, dissatisfaction is a great motivator. Forward motion is stalled when we become satisfied. Second thing I see in our scripture that helped increase effectiveness is right delegation. Right delegation. See, it took a team to fulfill the task. Verse number three says, then they, say they. 
It says, then they came to Jesus, bringing a paralytic. Notice the next phrase, who was carried by four men. See, see, it took a team to fulfill the task. Listen to me this morning, friends. The, The task that God has assigned the grace place is too big a task for one man. It's too big a job for one man. It's too big a task for two men. It's too big a task for four or 10 or even 50. Listen, if we are going to increase our effectiveness, every single one of us must grab a corner of responsibility. Notice it took four men to carry one man to Jesus. Here's what I have to say this morning, and that is there is a corner of responsibility available to you. What I'm saying to you this morning is there's a place for you in the kingdom of God, and there's a place for you at the grace place. I'm telling you that there is a corner of responsibility. There is a place, amen, where you can help carry and carry the load of the grace place. There is a place for you, and I'm challenging you this morning to find your corner and to find that place of responsibility and find that place where you can become effective and help our church become more effective for the kingdom of God. An increase in the area of effectiveness will require right delegation, getting the right people in the right positions, equipping and then empowering people to minister in the area of their giftings. And every single one of us have gifts and talents and abilities, every single one of us. And God has gifted us individually, and there is a specific task for our gifting, and there's a specific place where we can fit in the body of Christ and be useful for the kingdom of God. See, the pastor isn't the only one that knows how to pray. Amen. So people act like, you know, you know, I've got to call the pastor because, you know, the pastor's got to pray. Well, listen, the pastor does pray and the pastor does know how to pray, but there's eight or 900 people that come to this church. Listen, listen, the pastor's not the only one that knows how to pray. The pastor's not the only one that needs to do all the praying. The pastor's not the only one that can visit the hospital. Pastor's not the only one that can teach. The pastor's not the only one that can minister to people. See, there are people in every congregation, including ours, that have gifts. And if we can discover those gifts, and if only we can develop and then direct and eventually, those gifts, and eventually many areas of ministry could be delegated to the people. And that's what we're all about today. We're trying to get the ministry out from, 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 the, from the full-time preachers and get it into the hands of the people because that is what the Word of God teaches. It teaches that, that the men of God, that the full-time ministers are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Everyone has a corner of responsibility. And if everyone takes their corner of responsibility, the effectiveness of the church can be increased. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. And too many people have this small church mentality. And in the small church, you've got 30, 40, 50 people, maybe 75 people, and the pastor leads everything, and the pastor shows up for everything, and the pastor is at everything. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. If the pastor has to lead every ministry, if the pastor has to show up for every single activity, then that church will remain small and ineffective. Because it will be limited. It will be limited to the energy level of the pastor. If he's got to lead every ministry and if he has to pray every prayer and make every hospital call and teach every lesson, if he's got to do all of the work of the ministry, then that church will be limited to the size of the capacity of that individual minister, that individual pastor. 
But if he and his staff are willing to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and through 16 says that we are supposed to do, and once these people are equipped, if, they are, if, if the ministry uh, leaders are willing to delegate ministry to qualified people, effectiveness will increase in the church. I'm just tracking with me this morning. Talking about right delegation, it took a team to fulfill the task in Mark chapter 2. And then notice this. This is good. Listen, notice this. Jesus totaled their faith to make it be enough. He totaled it all up. Verse number 5, the Bible said, when Jesus saw their faith. Say their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. See, it wasn't the faith of one superstar preacher. That got this man healed. It wasn't the faith of one superstar saint that moved the hand of Jesus. But it was the faith of all four of these men totaled up together by Jesus. Here's what I know and that is we are better together. We are better together. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 says two are better than one. God said it in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. He said it's not good for man to be alone. Why do we need to consistently come to church? Well, one reason of many, one reason is because our faith is built up when we come together. Sometimes we stumble in here with our faith dragging the floor, but but once we join our faith with the faith of other saints, our faith is strengthened. And what we may not have faith for individually, we do have faith for corporately. When Jesus saw their faith, perhaps there wasn't even one of these four men that had enough faith to believe for the healing of this paralytic. But Jesus said, one, two, three, four. And he took the faith of every single one of these men and he totaled it all up. He added it all up. And what wasn't enough for one man, but yet when he totaled it all up, it was enough to bring healing to this man. And I'm telling you this morning, you may not have enough faith for your healing this morning. You may not have enough faith for your financial miracle. You may not have enough faith for your breakthrough. But I'm telling you, one, two, three, four, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, one hundred, two hundred, three hundred. When we unite our faith together, amen. Oh, there's so many things I want to do for the kingdom of God, but I can't do it all by myself. But if I unite my faith with your faith and you unite your faith with my faith, and God will total up the faith that we have. And as the faith is totaled up, then it is enough to see the miracle working God uh, work in our life. Amen? Let's look at the third thing that is required if we're going to increase effectiveness. And that is right direction. Right direction. Verse 3, they came to him. Now, this is the best point of all of them, so get with me here. Right direction. Verse 3, they came to him. Say him. See, we need to understand this. They were taking their friend to a person and not to a place. Did you hear me? I said, they were taking their friend to a person and not to a place. Verse number one says, and it was heard that he, who's he? It was heard that he was in the house. Notice it wasn't heard that there was a really cool house over there. You got to go see that house. They were taking their friend to a person, not to a Place. It was heard that he was in the house. See, see, it was all about the he and not about the house. I said it was all about the he and not about the house. Say it's about the he, not about the house. 
Say it again. It's about the he, not about the house. Now, let me clarify this. Is our house important? Absolutely, absolutely. But it must always be more about the he than it is about the house. How many love the house? I love this house. I think it's cool. I think it's awesome. I think God has blessed us with an incredible, incredible house. But we must always, always understand that it always must be more about the he than it is about the house. Because it's the he and not the house that draws people. I said, it's the he and not the house that draws people. John 12 and verse 32, Jesus said, if I, if I, he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Did he say, if you draw, if you lift up the grace place, people will come? Did he say, if you build it, they will come? That's not what he said. Jesus said, if I, if I be lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all men unto me. Now hear me this morning. Hear me. A cool house helps get people in the door. And we got a cool house and we're in the process of making this cool house even cooler. Amen. And I'm excited about it. So don't, don't, don't misunderstand me this morning. But as, as stoked as I am about the coolness of this house, I'm telling you this morning, it's not about the house. It's about the heat. And if it ever becomes about the house, we need to shut down the house. Because listen, there's no power about the house. And there's no drawing card with the house. Amen. The drawing card is when Jesus is in that house. Say, it's about the he, not about the house. A cool house gets people in the door, but hear me, hear me this morning. Once they get in the door, he better be here. You can have a cool house, but I'm telling you, and it may draw some people in, but I'm telling you that when you get the people in the cool house, he better be here. Because if he's not here, then we have nothing true of true value to offer. So effectiveness requires right direction. We must always point people to the person and not just to the place. And notice this about the four men in our scripture today, and that is similar passion caused them to partner up. Similar passion caused them to partner up. Their compassion for their friend motivated them to work together as a team. Our vision here at the Grace Place is caring people, caring for people. That's our vision. But there are many different ways to care, and there are many different areas where you can care. So my admonition to you this morning is to find the area inside of the Grace Place. Find the area where you are most passionate about and help us care in that area. This leads us to our fourth thing that is required in order to increase in the area of effectiveness, and that is right distribution. Right distribution. Verse 3 again, who was carried by four men? See, there were four men and there were four positions. Four men and four separate corners of the stretcher. Here's what I know. The right people in the right positions will increase productivity. The right people in the right positions will increase productivity. See, ask a bird to fly and a fish to swim and a rabbit to hop, and they're all going to excel. But you ask that bird to hop or you ask that fish to fly and ask that rabbit to swim, and the results are going to drastically be altered and be changed. The same is true with people. One size does not fit all. Oh, not everybody belongs behind this podium. 
Not everybody belongs out there in that parking lot. One size doesn't fit all. Many churches and organizations struggle, or at the least they plateau because they have their people in the wrong positions. They have their people in the wrong places. The right people in the right positions will increase productivity, and the right people in the right positions will increase propensity. Now, a couple synonyms for this word propensity are are capacity and ability. Capacity and ability. See, our capacity and our ability increases when our assignment or our position matches our gifts, talents, and God-given abilities. So if you can't sing, don't try out for the worship team. Don't put them in that awkward position. If you don't like people, Please, don't be a front door greeter. If you hate kids, stay out of the kids' ministry. But there is a place for you somewhere. You may or may not fit in the kids' ministry. You may or may not fit on the worship team. You may or may not fit at the front door. You may or may not fit on the uh, official board of this church. But I'm telling you that there is a fit for you. There is a corner for you. There is a place of responsibility where God can take your, your particular gifts, talents, and abilities and use them to its fullness and you will be fulfilled, amen, and, 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 and the church will be more effective. Because you are uniquely gifted to excel in a particular area. So let us, help, let us help you discover that area. And let us get you involved in that area. You will find purpose and you will find fulfillment there. And then that area will increase its effectiveness because you are there. There's some areas of this church, there's some ministries that are uh, in this church that are, that are just waiting for your expertise. They are just waiting for your giftedness. They are just waiting for what you can add to them. In fact, you may have so many giftings in that particular area that you will not just add to that ministry, but you will cause that ministry to go from addition to multiplication. We need to understand that ministry is not just preaching sermons and singing songs. There's a place for all of us. I'm looking at Preston right there. Listen, man, he did an amazing job painting. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I don't know how you are about singing. Pretty sure you probably ought to be painting, and thank you for it. And I'm going to tell you, when he was painting out here, I didn't care if we had a good singer around or not. I didn't need a singer. I needed a painter. Sometimes you need a singer, sometimes you need a painter. Sometimes you need a preacher, sometimes you need a plumber. And when you need a plumber, a preacher's not usually very good. Amen. I know this one ain't. Amen. And here's what I know, and that is many who burn out do so because, because a, listen to me, a person's capacity is either greater or lesser based on whether or not they are serving in the area of their giftedness. Proper placement increases 
propensity. It, an improper placement increases pressure. It, in, it, it increases problems. It increases perplexity. How many still tracking with me this morning? All right, let's look at the fifth and final thing that will help increase effectiveness. And that is right determination. Right determination. Verse number four, and when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was, and they lowered the paralytic down on a stretcher. Two things I want to say here. Number one is, and that is, they didn't allow the obstacles to stop them. They didn't allow the obstacles to stop them. Listen, hear me. Nothing of significance is ever easy. Nothing of significance is ever easy. That line under the sign that reads requires, the line under the sign that reads requires tenacity, always a short line. The Marines' motto is we're looking for a few good men. Why? Because they know that only a few men have what it takes to be a Marine. The four men in our story today possessed right determination. They didn't allow the obstacles to stop them. They had brought their friend no matter how far it was. They had brought their friend. They were tired. They were weary. They were expecting just to be able to walk right through the door and just present this man to Jesus. But when they got there, they found that the door, they couldn't even get inside the door because there were so many people. I mean, the fire marshal would have gone nuts. They couldn't get through a window. Most people would have turned around and gone home or just left him there and just went on and said, we tried, buddy, sorry. Maybe on his way out, Jesus will heal you. No, no, no. No, they did not allow the obstacles to stop them. They, 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 they carried their friend up on top of the roof. They took out, took out some, of the, some of the tiles up from, the, from the roof. I can imagine, just, I can imagine some assembly of God's saint right there saying, well, who's going to pay for this? <laughs> They did whatever that they had to do to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. Why? Why? Because they were obsessed with their vision. They were obsessed with their vision. These four men didn't have four different visions. They all four united under one vision. And that's the problem in so many churches today and why so many churches plateau and so many churches don't go very far. And that is because everybody's got a different vision. Everybody's got a different direction that they want to take the church. These men, they were four men, but they didn't have four different visions. They all united under one vision, and that's what we have to do. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse number 2 says, Write the vision down and make it plain so that he may run with it who has it. Listen to me. The only way that we will increase our effectiveness at the grace place is if we all unite under the same vision. And we must be obsessed with our vision. How many of you this morning want to experience a year of increase? Amen. How many of you this morning want to see the effectiveness of this house increase in the year of 2000? And 19. Our takeaway for the message is simply this. We cannot be satisfied with just making our church bigger. We must also make it better. And when the church becomes better, it increases its effectiveness. Father, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning, this little teaching that has been presented today. But God, I believe it is what you've laid on my heart. I believe it is what we need to embrace. It is what we need to hear and what we need to get behind. Father, I just pray, Lord, that we will see 
this year be a year of increase in, in, in our church and in our own personal lives, in our businesses, in our ministries, in everything, Lord, that we place our hands upon. God, let your word do its work. In Jesus' name.